Let's uh, dig into Ruth. Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all you've given us. Lord, speak to us this morning. Let us hear your word. Prick our hearts with your Holy Spirit and, and come near to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Landon was an amazing kid. He, he was that six-year-old kid that was just full of energy. I mean, he had that mischievous little sparkle in his eye, you know, like he was always up to something. Uh, super smart, super intelligent. Um, when we were teaching him in children's church, he was that kid who, who he was bored because he could teach the class better than the teachers, right? Um, and, and very high energy, bouncing off the wall kind of kid. Um, lots of fun. Uh, lots of uh, uh, people loved Landon. He was a great kid. Um, I met him when I was a youth minister, and, and as a young single youth minister, uh, uh, people have pity on you. And so uh, his family fed me dinner every Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, when, when you're a young single youth minister, you don't turn down a free meal. And so you go, we went, oh, I would go over to his house every Wednesday night. Landon was a huge Star Wars fan, so we kind of bonded over that. And we would talk Star Wars, and he'd show me his latest toys, and I'd get to play with them without looking stupid. And uh, it, 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 was a, it was a cool thing. Um, now then, I moved on and, and moved on to another place. Landon, of course, grew up, as kids do. And as Landon grew up, the behavior problem started. And uh, it, it was little problems in school, maybe some problems here and there with, uh, with friends and this stuff, uh, problems with mood swings, problems with anger, violence. And, and, you know, the people started talking. What happened to sweet little Landon? What happened? Where did he go wrong? Was a series of ups and downs. It was a roller coaster of high highs and low lows. It was, it was uh, every time that, that it was up and down and up and down until Landon took his own life at the age of 22. And still the church people talked. Such a sweet family. Where did it all go wrong? I, you know, I heard he was using drugs. I heard that, that he was this or that. Lots of gossip. When we get to the end of chapter 1 of Ruth, they've arrived back at Bethlehem. This is the point of the story when most of us are ready for a change. We're, we're, uh, the, the uncomfortable preface is gone. The, the uncomfortable part has, and we want to move on from that. We want to settle in with our popcorn for a nice sweet Hallmark happily ever after ending. But psychologists tell you that traumatic life changes death of a loved one, abject poverty, a move. Uh, these things cause an onset in a lot of people of depression. As we come to the end of chapter 1, both Ruth and Naomi are battling with depression. And they get a lot of whispers. See, we don't like to address mental health in the church. Because that's one of those things that we don't really understand. We don't talk about it. 
We sweep it under the rug. We pretend it's not there. And, and that's kind of what's happening in Bethlehem right now. When they arrive in Bethlehem, they're both in the midst of a depression. Their mental health is challenged beyond its ability to bear. And the people talk. Is this Naomi? What happened to her? Could that be the same Naomi that was here years ago? Lots of gossip. No real answers. Now Naomi shuts it down. Naomi shuts it down because she goes straight at it. She says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. I'm changing my name to Mara, which means bitter. Don't call me pleasant anymore. You call me bitter because that's what I'm changing my name to because God, I've had enough of his fickle ways. I just came home to die. She makes the chatter stop, or at least move far away enough that she can't hear it. Too many times, though, that's still the way that we handle mental health in the church. We, we talk, we whisper, we gossip. Studies say that one in four Americans, one in four in the world, 25% suffer from some sort of mental illness. And, and a lot of times when people get into this place, we're looking for somewhere, looking for someone to, to be there, some sort of guidance, some sort of, of, of lifeline, some sort of hope. But they don't find much on Sunday mornings. Preachers seldom talk about mental health issues. Uh, they, we're reluctant. We don't like to get into that kind of stuff because it's dirty. It's not... not dirty nasty but it's messy it's hard to understand it's hard to even talk about I'm not a mental health expert it's it's and if you do hear about it in church a lot of times you hear a either either pray it away we're going to just pray over you and if you just have enough faith you'll get better or you hear the pull yourself up by your bootstraps you need to think about other things you need to just snap out of it that's what you hear in church Lifeway and focus on the family partner to do a study regarding mental health in churches. They found that one out of 355 out of out of 350 355 Protestant Americans, 200 were regular church attenders. 207 Protestant church members had at least one family member diagnosed with some form of mental illness. And these folks get a lot of whispers a lot of gossip, but no real help. When Naomi and Ruth arrive, they get talk. Naomi shuts it down, but she's still hurting. She's still caught in the midst of a very real depression. Luke, uh, Ruth chapter 1, uh, verse 19 through 22, if you want to read along. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Like Naomi, too many of those who, who are suffering from some sort of mental health illness find whispers and gossip, but no real answers. These family members whether it's a, a member of their family or themselves, need the church's help 
to break the silence. That's, that's what we've got to be about. Those living with mental illness, whether their own or someone else's, need to speak and be heard in the church. They need to be, uh, the church needs to break its own silence. We don't hear a lot about this in the church, and, and that silence compounds the suffering uh, of those who are struggling with this. So many ha- have allowed the stigma and fear of embarrassment to prevent acknowledgement of the struggles uh, or the hardships that they're enduring. Now, too often we feel helpless when faced with, with something that's so far beyond our understanding. What do we do? What do we say? How, how, do, we, how do we deal with this? Because it, it's hard. In this moment, Naomi is in no place to seek God. Her faith is gone, or at least shaken. No place to help herself. No place to even pray. Too many people find themselves in that same place today, this morning. Their faith is torn, if not shredded, and they barely have... Naomi will be delivered. Her faith will be restored over the course of the next few chapters because of the selfless, crazy, rule-breaking love of this young Moabite daughter. But Ruth is going to step out where Naomi can't. Ruth is going to to pursue things that Naomi can't. Ruth is going to challenge the status quo. Ruth is going to shake things up in, in a way that Naomi would never dream. And Ruth is going to save them, not just physically paralyzed at home. It, it's the young Moabite that gets engaged, seeking sustenance in the will of God in their lives. See, sooner or later, we all need help. Sooner or later, we all reach that place where it's, I don't even want to go anywhere. I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to come and get him. And they take him to Jesus. And there's such a crowd that they can't get through. And so you remember this story. You heard it in Sunday school. They crawl up on the roof and they tear open a hole in the roof and they lower the guy down. That's what the church needs to be. We need to be Ruth. We need to be those friends in Mark 2, people who, who love with such an incredible, reckless abandon that we're not afraid to break the rules, that, that we're not afraid to do the things that may make people gossip, that may make people judge, that may make people whisper. In Mark 2, this group of friends, that, that they lower this paralytic down. They're invested in their friends. They're invested in his well-being. They're trying to get him to the place of healing. And that's what we need to be about. A few months ago, we started a thing, some of you remember it, where I asked you to write down three names. God is working through that in amazing ways, ways that, that we would never have anticipated. And because, because God hears our prayers, and, and we're lifting up people, some of whom who, who aren't even knowing that they're being lifted up, who don't even know that you're praying for them, who aren't even uh, able to pray for themselves. And I have people say, but Jeff, my my friend's struggling with their faith, or my friend doesn't believe, or my friend doesn't want to come to church, or my friend doesn't even want to talk about God. But I challenge you, look at Mark 2, very crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw what? Their faith of the friends 
he said, forgiveness and healing comes to this man because of their faith, not because of his own. That's what's going to happen to Naomi. By the end of the truth, those gossips who now are saying, isn't this Naomi? We don't even recognize her, are going to be proclaiming, Naomi has a son. And that's the Moabite, the foreigner, the reject. This morning, if you have family or friends that, that, that you believe in your heart are hurting or need healing, then, then the absolute best thing you can do is lift them up to Jesus. And you do that by any means necessary, whether they want you to or not. And you know, maybe this morning you're one of those who finds yourself in that place like Naomi, the place of the paralytic, the place where you're... you're paralyzed and you don't even feel like it's it's worth pursuing it's hopeless it's helpless it's it's that there's no end in sight there, there's nowhere to turn and and we resign ourselves to our fate because we become convinced that no one including God really cares about what happens to us let me say first you need to get help real help now not from your friend down the road, not from the, 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 even your, your buddy, but, but real clinical professional help. Depression is not sin. Anxiety is not sin. Bipolar disorder is not sin. I could go on. I, I need you to hear me this morning. Mental health illnesses are not sin. And you can be treated, and you can get better. It's not about sin. It's not about shame. We all feel embarrassed or ashamed of things that we do. But, but you didn't do anxiety. You didn't do depression. These things happen to you. We need to pray over those who are struggling with mental health illnesses. We have counseling hours here. And, and I pray with people, and I'll search the scriptures with people, but I'm not a therapist. I don't have that kind of on our campus that will be available to, to anyone who needs it. And, and that's in the works. We're working to create support groups, share groups like uh, uh, a grief share, and, and in, in addition to uh, bringing back things like Celebrate Recovery and, and, and some of those kind of uh, support systems that we can have into place for people who are struggling with, with mental health illness. We're trying to help you get the help that you need, and that's the first thing you got to do. The, the second thing you got to do is find community. See, we all do better in community. Remember when you were a kid and you had to go through that really dark place? Some places we don't need to walk by ourselves, and it's always less scary if somebody else walks with you. That's because we were made to live in community. We weren't made to face the things of life alone. We were made to come together as what the Bible calls a, a church, assembly. That's not a place of judgment. That's a place of healing. It's a place to, to find people who love in such a crazy, reckless way that we're not afraid to walk through the darkness with you. In church, we have to be those people. We have to be the people who are so filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God that we're not afraid of the darkness, that we're not afraid to get our hands dirty. We have to be the people who are open and loving, not, not the people of judgment and, and scorn. I had people tell me this week that, that you know, I, 
I, when I came to this church, I, I, I was expecting that, that maybe I would be judged or maybe I would be shunned. And, and instead, I found people who loved me just like I was. And that's the greatest thing I can hear. I, I love that because that's what we want to be. We want to be people who like to be open and welcoming. Jesus says in John 10 that, that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or, or some of your versions read, abundantly. You can't possibly experience life to the full if you're living with a life-altering mental health illness. As I was preparing this lesson this week, I, I spoke with Landon's father because I wanted his permission to tell this story because it's not my story to tell. And I talked to him and I said, what, what would you say? You have the opportunity to speak to people about the struggle that your son went through. What would you say? He said, talk about it. While it has to be modeled by talking about it from the pulpit, it has to be talked about in the pews. Share your stories. If you've been impacted personally, then get personal. Be willing to be so that they may feel this burden, which is used powerfully by the enemy, that burden lifted so that they're not responsible for the life-controlling illness that has wrecked their life. As a church, we have to be those people. And, and we're committing to try to be those people. Not, not that you come to the church for healing, because we don't have any magic powers. You don't come to us for healing. We can try to get you to the one who brings the healing. In the book of Ruth the crazy rule-breaking love, the, the hesed, the Bible calls it, is not just demonstrated by Ruth. Ultimately, it's demonstrated by God. God brings Naomi healing. God brings Naomi back. God brings Naomi a redeemer. And ultimately, that's foreshadowing thousands of years in the future when he'll do the same thing with you and me. He can bring you back. He can bring you healing because He has given us a Redeemer. If you're in a place like Naomi this morning, the, the best thing I can tell you is by any means necessary, get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. That's where the place of healing is. If it means finding friends who, 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 who are willing to help you, then find those friends. If it means ask an elder or, or, or a minister or, 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 or a, a faithful friend to pray with you, then do that. But healing comes at the feet of Jesus. Forgiveness comes at the feet of Jesus. And that's the, that's the story the paralytic teaches us. That's what the story of Ruth teaches us, that, that we can be those friends. And as a church, we want to be, if we can do that for you, Send us a message, send us an email, Facebook message, private message, you know all those things, do it. And I promise you we will pray for you. This morning, if we can help you, if we can pray with you, if we can lift you to the feet of Jesus, let us do that for you. This morning, if you want to say, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, I'm giving it up, and I want Jesus to take over, and you want to submit to him through baptism, we will celebrate with you. However we can do that for you this morning, however we can be Ruth in your life, let us help you however we can right now while together we stand and sing.